Hola, como estas? It's that time again. The only reason why I'm speaking Spanish today is because we're playing against Mexico on Friday, the 12th of November. Today's podcast will be solely about this adventure that we're about to be on in, in Cincinnati. It is going to be one hell of a week. We have been waiting a long time for this game. There's a lot going on, a lot to cover. And uh, so it'll be the entirety of this podcast will be about the Mexico-United States rivalry and about this particular game in Cincinnati on Friday. I just got off the, uh, the horn with my good buddy, Jimmy Conrad, who, interestingly enough, we both share one stat. We, we, he's played one time against Mexico. He's got one goal. I played 11 times against Mexico. I've got one goal. So he's, he's clearly uh, has the advantage there. I, um, in those 11 games, we only lost twice. Once was a 4-0 thrashing. Gold Cup final. It was at Azteca. It was 1,000 degrees. No one could breathe. Probably one of the worst games I've ever been in. I actually watched Kobe Jones cough up something that uh, wasn't um, normal. It was horrible. We almost died on the field that day. Either way, the other loss was also in a Gold Cup final when Luis Hernandez left his mark, Lexi Lawless. Well done, Lexi. We lost that game one nothing at the Coliseum. But I have, I'm going to tell some stories about the rivalry. Some of my personal stuff, some of the stuff you, would, you can't imagine happened, some of the, uh, the lies and the uh, misconception about what this rivalry means to us as players, and maybe just my personal explanation of how that all works the fanaticism that goes along with it on both sides. It's the national team uh, from or the Selección from, the United, uh, from Mexico uh, has always stayed the same. I mean, that, that rivalry, on, and as far as they're concerned, it, it really hasn't changed a whole lot, but it has for us. But I have been speaking Spanish all week. They asked me what I thought. I said, más importante por todo es a ganar, which means it's very important to win. I also said some crazy stuff like uh, Mexico tiene la ventaja táctica, which means... I believe that they have the tactical advantage, and I do. I'll get into that in a flash. I do think Tata Martino is a better tactician than our coach. I think our team plays nervous in the first half. We have never figured out how to play in the first half, and we rely on adjustments. Can't do that against Mexico. You cannot allow them to grow in confidence. That's the one thing I learned in all of those games, that you have to be on the front foot. You have to throw the first punch. That's the only way to play against Mexico. But I want our, uh, anybody listening to this program, and however you found us, I guess I, I, I didn't even go into the introduction. This is For the Win. I am Eric Winalda. This is the Blue Wire Studios in the Win in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's a great place to watch this game in particular, I'll tell you that. There'll be a lot of interest over at the uh, sports book. And it's already kind of starting, you know, walking through the Win today. I, I already saw a couple Mexico jerseys. Nobody recognized me, so there was no need to flip me off, but there was still a... There was still the, um, you know, I'm aware of it. You know, you see the green shirts and you, you see uh, that there's some growing excitement uh, towards the game. But what I really want people to understand going into this one, because I've already uh, been asked to predict the, sp- uh, the score, Mexico's going to win. Now, I just ripped the Band-Aid off. Now you're saying, what? But the truth is, I just think it, there's, a, there's a lot of things factoring in. I don't think the United States has ever beaten Mexico three games in a row. And that, is, that isn't luck or talent or skill or tactics or the, the emotions that go along with this game, but I just think history is not going to be in our favor. Now, here's the worst part about it. Let's go through 
where things stand right now, so you, so everybody understands, Mexico is sitting on top with 14. The United States right behind him with 11. Canada has 10 points. Canada gets Costa Rica up in uh, the northern part of the world, and that's not going to be a, a, a good game for Costa Rica. Canada will win that game. I actually think El Salvador will beat Jamaica as well because they, they are very difficult to play. The United States gets Mexico and Cincinnati, as we know, but the bigger game here and the most problematic game here is Honduras-Panama, because Panama has eight points, folks, okay? If the United States loses this game, they will now be behind Panama because Panama, in the head-to-head, they beat us, and they'll be sitting on 11 points, as will the United States. And that's where this gets weird, because that's, when, that's what pressure is. That's where character is tested, when you, when, you, when you find yourself looking up at three teams, not looking down at four. It's hard to stay on top, I get it, but when you are chasing games, this is where I worry. If the United States loses against Mexico, this will be a very difficult week. And of course, we got to go to Jamaica, which is never a good trip. Sounds great, doesn't it? Hey, we're going to Jamaica. No, no, it's no fun at all. I, re- I remember sitting in that little locker room after the game, and we tied 0-0, and it was one of our first games out of the shoot. And then being back at the hotel, you know, talking to Ernie Stewart by the pool, going, God, I'm glad this game is over. And he had to fly all the way back to Holland. World Cup qualification is not fun, and this is not going to be a fun week if I'm doing my job and I really am prognosticating appropriately because I think the United States might be in trouble. Now, are we going to change coaches and everybody on Twitter is going to go nuts? I'm sure that you can scream at the rain all you like, but you're going to have to wait until after that Jamaica game to have an opinion. But this game in its own right against, against Mexico is a game that, if it's not addressed appropriately, could get out of hand in a hurry. First question. For everybody, Christian Pulisic, should he start? Should he come off the bench? Do I think he's going to start? Yes. Would I start him? No. I don't think that this is the, that, that this is appropriate. I've given the analogy about the car. They own the car, Chelsea Football Club. They're loaning it to us. And if we keep returning the car, all beat up with no oil, they're going to eventually say, no, it's still in the shop, and we're not going to get Christian when we want him. Whether that's a lie or they're violating the rules is irrelevant at that point. It's their investment, it's their money, and they get to dictate that conversation. So the smart move, and somebody, and, and I'm sure he'll get beat up for that, meaning Greg Berhalter, is to bring him off the bench. So who plays in his place? And how do we address the, the first part of this game? There's a ton of you out there screaming that uh, Pepe, by the way, Pepe's, he's, 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 kinda got, he's dragging a little bit of an injury right now. Nobody really knows that, but that, that right calf apparently is has been uh, the focal point of the last couple of weeks. It's so interesting. What you start talking about, when you're worrying about injury, you're worrying about anxiety, you're worried about the, these guys, and an 18-year-old kid dealing with the pressure of saving this country. And this is the country that he just told he didn't want to play for him? And now we're resting all of our hopes and our dreams on, on an 18-year-old kid? Is that even fair? No. It's nowhere in the vicinity of fair. I do think all things being equal, uh, Joe Scali will come into this team. I expect, I don't, I don't expect anything, but I do think, I do think that the, the big decision here will be, is it going to be a defensive-minded uh, setup coming into that first part? Will it be probably Weston McKinney, Adams, and then Musa and Acosta, or Musa and Pulisic? That's the real question within all of this. Are we going to play a 4-3-3? Probably. We always do. Everybody knows what we're doing. Can we change it? Yes. 
are we going to change it in this particular game? Probably not. Are they saying that everybody's, oh, we're in a great, we have a great feel in the group and everybody's fit and everybody's ready to go. Man, I'll tell you, I played in enough of these. You're going to walk out of that tunnel and everything that you thought was real is going to be spinning. And, and you really have to have the right mentality. I was on the horn yesterday, actually. Well, I was on a podcast with most of the, the, uh, the Mexican pundits, and they asked me a bunch of questions. Garcia Aspe, which who, to me represents Mexico. You can say whatever you like about all the other guys. And man, in my day, in my day, I mean, man, we had it out. It was hard. If you look at the talent that the Mexican side had, and you look at the players that we had to play against, I had to figure out how to beat Claudio Suarez, who was always in the right spot. There's guys like Del Omo, right? They'll kick you and kick you again and not care. Galindo was so talented. Zagi, Hermosillo, Garcia, Pardo, Ramon Ramirez, Luis Hernandez. Those were never easy games. Never. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple, but the, the reality is, is they were always good. When I say things haven't changed a whole lot in the last 20 years, they haven't. Mexico's always got a, a mentality and a feel to them and a fight. What I worry about is back then we had a group of, you know, I call, a, I call this in the last podcast, a band of brothers. We had a bunch of guys who had to fight for every, every bit. So that fight was real, right? I mean, that was, it was real. We were trying to prove something. They were already rich. The way it works in Mexico when you are one of the, uh, the Mexican players, I know I'm not getting into politics of all this, but you're making a lot of money and it's cash and it's coming in a suitcase and you got a great life. We were playing for the smaller clubs in Europe trying to pave our way. We had the start of, a, of MLS, which was a lot of things to consider there. I had some great teammates that were Mexican. Misael Espinosa, for example. We used to laugh about it. We used to laugh about it because all the perception of, of the misconceptions, I guess you could say, about what this rivalry means. And when people bring the word hate in, I get really upset. I, I honestly do. Hate, this, this is not hate. It's nowhere near hate. Hate is when airplanes fly into buildings. That is not what is happening when the United States plays against Mexico. The United States versus Mexico represents a lot of things. And when you play in those games, right, and, and some of the things that we had to endure, when you play in the Coliseum and the Mexican public decides to boo the entire national anthem, getting upset about that doesn't make you a racist, that makes you a patriot. When this classless chant happens every time a goalkeeper kicks the ball, there's really not a whole lot you can do about that. FIFA's trying to step in, CONCACAF is trying to step in and say, come on, knock it off taking, you know, no one's taking any points away from it, but there's certainly going to be fines and repercussions. But when you walk off the field at the Coliseum through that tunnel and the Mexican supporters are standing above you with beer cups full of urine and they pour that on you and then they laugh. As a human being, you're allowed to be pissed off about that, no pun intended. And there's been things that I've done, which I'm not proud of, in those kind of circumstances. There was things that were said about each other that were misconstrued. And, sometimes, and at some point, somebody said racism. And it wasn't racism. It was anger. And it was, nothing was ever said that took it to that level, but it was the, the race card. And that wasn't fair either. Garcia Aspe was, was, was a wonderful player. Wonderful player. But we fought. We had a mutual respect. We were two, I guess you would call us welterweights. But we fought. And we bloodied each other. But when that game was over, that mutual respect was real. And that hug was real because we were competitors. And he has just as much pride in Mexico as I do in the United States. And we talked yesterday for about 20 minutes. 
And that that and I can tell you without hesitation, I love that man and I respect that man. It's real. Not just because he was a good soccer player, he was a great human being. So when people come at us and they say that you guys hate each other, what's that feel like to hate Mexicans? It's like, what? No. That's not what this is. Did I get a, a, 10 cups of, of urine poured on me at the Coliseum while I was wearing Garcia Aspe's jersey, the number eight? Did I take his jersey off and wipe my ass with it and throw it at their fans? Yeah, I did that. Does that make me a bad guy in some people's eyes? But you try that on. You put that hat on, okay? You stand there representing the United States, one of 11 men who is representing 350 million in front of 90,000 people and the Mexican-Americans who are in the stands, whether they are legal or not, are booing your national anthem. On a couple occasions, they set fire to the flag. And then a game started. And then the chants started. And then you got piss thrown on you in your own country. Try that on for size and try to control yourself. Because my mom told me, when you're surrounded by classlessness, all you can do is have class. That's all you can do. And I tried my best. And I put my hand up. I failed miserably on a couple of occasions. I'm really lucky, actually. I posted something on Twitter today where we, um, in the last uh, game before the World Cup in 1994, we played Mexico. And we played against, uh, at, the, at the Rose Bowl. And I played the second half. And I posted this because it, you know, it, it's really interesting because I, most of my career doesn't exist because YouTube <laughs> wasn't around. I don't have footage of this stuff. I swear. I, I swear I scored a great goal. Yeah, prove it. Can't. I don't know where that footage is. But the, the, the good news is, is after the National Anthem got booed, I finally got my chance to play. Second half, and I factor in on the goal. Watch it. The good news is, is you can't see me being classless. I got lucky. Because after we scored, I hugged where Wegerly, the team came together, and I flipped everybody off. Am I proud of that? No, I'm not. When you go through it, and that doesn't make me a racist. That makes me proud of what I just did for my country in a very classless way. Let everybody know how I felt. For lack of a better word, it sucks, man. It sucks when people are booing your national anthem in your own country. Now, there's plenty of other uh, you know, opportunities of, of times where we, in, in other games, I think with the, the win in uh, uh, D.C., 4-0, in what was called the uh, U.S. Cup. It was a competition created by the federations. Just really pretty much a money grab, but we had a fantastic game for us, which was, the, was the, I guess, the retaliation of our 4-0 loss in Azteca, and we beat them 4-0. And then we had to go to the post-game party together. <laughs> and there's the American guys with a beer or whatever we were drinking, just looking at, at a group of men wearing their green with their heads down, getting absolutely destroyed by their media. They were embarrassed. And I remember how a couple of those guys handled it. Ramon in particular, Aspe, Hormacio, and Campos. Campos was the best. Took four goals that day. And in his own way, let us know that we'll get you next time. And it was a smile. And, it was, and, I, and I, I had so much respect for that. I remember the moment vividly. You know, Jorge and I are still very good friends to this day. 
He's a great guy, man. I would have loved to have had him as a teammate. He played for uh, L.A. briefly and Chicago in, in MLS. But once I get to know him, great golfer, great surfer, but, you know, the, the truth is, once I got to know him and know what's in his heart, it made our accomplishments against him even more meaningful, if that means anything. Because you had so much respect for the man that you wanted to celebrate those moments where you came up on the, you know, on, on the better end. I'll never forget, I was at Starbucks in Santa Monica, and we were trying to figure out how we could do something together. So Zaniga was there, the, uh, the goalkeeper, the backup goalkeeper to Campos. Uh, and Ramon was on his way, I believe, and Claudio Suarez and I were trying to figure out how to talk to each other in our broken language, Spanglish. And Campos was there, and this Mexican guy walks into Starbucks. And we're kind of, if you know where it is, it's right on Santa Monica Boulevard. It's right before you get on the freeway. It's right on the corner. So that, you know, if, if, if you're this guy who's like a Mexican, you know, fan, he kind of, he kind of you, have to, you know how the, the line works? So you come in the door and you got to make the turn. And he's literally holding something. And he looks up and he sees me sitting in between Claudio Suarez, Zuniga, and Campos. And he immediately recognizes Campos and then looks at me, drops whatever it was in his hand and says, Punta Madre, what are you talking to that guy for? And Campos, typical Campos, says, no, 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 don't worry. We're going to take him outside and beat the shit out of him in a minute. It's okay. And we all laugh. But that was kind of a unique moment because it's even on that, on, on that side, the Mexican people at times feel that there has to be some sort of hatred. I, I hate to disappoint you, but there isn't hatred. Not from my end, at least. I'm one of the few guys that got to experience Mexico. I played for Leon. Victor Vucetic. And I got to experience being an American, I guess, playing for Leon and, and being in Guanajuato and really being a part of the fabric of a community. And those fans took me in immediately. And they were the most beautiful people I've ever been around. I don't know how else to put it. They would give you the shirt off their back, anything you needed, anything. And I thought that that was so wonderful. Just the memory of it, it, it makes me emotional when I think about it because the people were so fantastic to me. The sad part is, is this exchange of the, 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 the Mexicans uh, that, that come to the United States and the Americans that, that venture south. And the way we act when we're there and the way they act when they're here. And there's a bitterness and an anger sometimes. But when that game happens, when this game happens, I can tell you without hesitation, there's an understanding of the players, at least that I played for or with, who understood that this was the, the, the moment where a Mexican-American or a Mexican fan could be in the stadium, whether they lived in the United States or not, but if they, especially if they did live in the United States, this was their moment to celebrate their heritage. And we understood that, and we respected that. The only time we got upset is when they didn't respect our jersey and our flag. And that's when it got weird. But this game has so many layers to it, folks. It's so, I am so honored to have taken, taken part in, in, in many of them. And it's a special, it's a special day. It's something that, that as players you remember for the rest of your life. It truly is a game that you will never forget. And I, I remember all of it, believe it or not. I remember when we were in Foxborough. Same stuff. And there's a guy, poor guy, Tom Meredith is his name. He works for the Federation, and his job was just to arrange, he was the coordinator to get the two teams on the field. And at Old Foxborough, he had made the mistake of putting us on the right because that was the side where the fans could actually 
for lack of a better word, get us. So before the game even started, they were throwing stuff at us. And there wasn't really, the security wasn't really very helpful. There's not a whole lot they could do. They couldn't get to them. It's a, it's a big wall, if you're familiar with this. And they're way up there. So we decided on our own, oh, we're not doing this. We're in our own country. So we moved to the other side of the walk down. And now we've got our backs up against the wall, looking up at the fans that, that are no longer throwing things at us. They're just kind of laughing and telling us how they think the game's going to go. And in that moment, the Mexican team, and they always did this, by the way, they wait till the last second. They drive everybody nuts. It's part of the deal. It's part of the mind games. But they finally come out of there. And something was said. And now we've almost got like, like people pushing each other. I mean, we haven't even... We haven't, Tom Meredith is freaking out because he, he has the flags appropriately set up for the American team. This is how we do it. We've, we've rehearsed this. We know what we're doing. This is how we're going to walk out. This is where the kids stand. This is where all this stuff works. And, and now we've just decided on our own, we're going to move to the other side. And instead of just switching the flags, because God forbid, you know, solve the problem, we had to go back to the other side. But in that process where they got so angry with us that we had to switch back to our original positions, some pushing and some shoving started. We had Casey Keller was our goal that, goal, goalkeeper that day. And it, and it, and it, got, it didn't get rough, and it, nobody's, no, you know, but, we're, but we were already to fight before we hit the field, and we were on a clock. You know, they were going to tell us, now we walk, and, and, and you got seven minutes until, until that game starts. But a lot, a lot of things have to happen. They figured out, and Tom Meredith was so good at it. It was like how long it takes to walk from here to there. And he kept us on. on. We'd seen his face a million times helping us to get out there. And how long it takes for the, uh, the national anthem and, and when we actually come on television. It's a very well-coordinated deal. And, I, and when I was in television after my career, I really realized this. And I thought to myself, man, we must have been a pain in the ass for the television people, because we were always acting up. And the Mexicans acted up more than we did. They were always on a different clock. So anyway, we're, we're, we're walking down there. We just had this big fight. And if some of you might remember this game in Foxborough, the way the game started, Mexico scores 30 seconds into the game when we pass the ball back, ironically, to Casey Keller, who tries to clear it out of there. And guess what he does? He hits it off of Herm Hermosillo's head. And it goes in 1-0 Mexico. It's karma is what that was. We set ourselves up and then we, you know. I actually had, had made a joke with uh, Carlos. I, I, I'm not going to tell you that he and I are friends. I don't think we've ever been friends. We have always rivalries and that was fine. But I would not call him a friend. Some of the other guys, yeah. I mean, I love Claudio Suarez. Claudio Suarez to me is one of the most beautiful people on the planet. And I just wish, I wish he'd do more because he's so... He's such a, an incredible asset. But anyway, Carlos and I aren't friends. So as I was walking off the field, I, to go back up that same damn ramp so we can go to our lockers at halftime, and I think it was 1-1 at half. They might have they had the lead. No, it was 1-1. Eddie Pope scored on a broken play. I headed it down to him, and he got a, we made it 1-1. Final score was 2-2, two two, but we're walking up the ramp, and I saw a little screw on the ground. So I picked it up. And I, I looked at Carlos and I said, is this yours? I think it fell out of your head. Because to me, he looked like Frankenstein. He didn't get the joke. He, 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 got, a, he got really upset. 
And then later, I didn't even think about the phrase, you got to screw loose. You know, you know, I didn't think of that. I just thought of, of Frankenstein, which, of course, started another whole new fight. But those were the kind of things that happened. It's not, you know, in the new world of Twitterverse and all this stuff that you can say or not say or, or you know, and, and I was actually, I just, I just saw an email from U.S. Soccer that they actually want me to tweet something out, and they found a picture of me that they're going to, they're, and I can put whatever quote is, and I have to put the hashtag on it. But, of course, it's a picture of Pavel Pardo trying to drag me down. If it wasn't Ramon, it was Pavel Pardo, or it could have been anybody. And Burnell used to get me a lot, too. Delomo, I just stayed the hell away from. That guy was angry all the time. And if he could get a chance to two-foot me or break my finger or pinch me, he, he would. Does that mean I don't like the guy? No, he's a competitor. He's trying to win. But this game, to me, brings back a ton of emotions. And now that it's a World Cup qualifier and it's in the United States and it's not in Columbus, same state, different city. And I do think there's a backstory there. And I, I do think Precourt, when he moved his franchise out of Columbus and he went to Austin, I think he, I think he still had a contract that said, I get a game, but I'm in a different city now. And I think that's why the United States played Jamaica and Austin. Can't prove that. But, you know, it's not the first time I wrote the Pelican Brief. But this is going to be an interesting one. Cincinnati's, it's, when you think about it, United States, Mexico, where are we going to play this thing? Cincinnati? That's, a, that's part of it to me. They played it in multiple places. I played against Mexico, of course, in Azteca. We played them uh, at the Rose Bowl. We played at the Coliseum in Foxborough, of course. And all those games have, have their own challenges. This is just me. I, I would love, I, I know that the politics prevail, but man, I'd love to see us play this game, celebrate the history of it, the Pasadena Rose Bowl. Man, I would love to see that. Timing isn't right, middle of football season. I get it, but that's just me personally. That's just me privately. And it, it, that, I walk into that stadium. It doesn't matter what event I'm watching. U2 concert, it doesn't matter. I, I, I still feel that, 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 that walk out on the field from a World Cup. I can still smell the grass, I, everything. But this will be in Cincinnati. And, and the lineup that we're going to go with, if we really want to get into this, I think Zach Steffen will, will start the game. I really do. I think Richards, and, and it's going to be a fight, but I think Scali gets on the field. I mean, we, we, the problem with this is, is that, you know, Dest is out of the team right now, and so is Brooks. So we're going to have to make some adjustments on that back line. But you, you, you have to remember that how, if you ask yourself the question, how many times has Zach Steffen played against Mexico? Answer that question. I know you're thinking about it, and now you're thinking... Oh, does that change things? Of course it does. You know, it's a game that he had to come out of. That we had to have a replacement goalkeeper make, make the save of the game. Does he want a second bite at the apple? Absolutely he wants to play in this one. Is he the right option? Not for me to determine. That back line that's in front of him, who's that going to be? I do think if Pulisic starts, you have... Unbelievable options. And you might get the, what we've been all waiting for, to see Pulisic, McKinney, and, and Tyler Adams play at the same time. Musa deserves to be in this team, and I think he will play. But he might not be the smart play. 
as far as our inability to start the game appropriately, it might be Kellen Acosta. Now people say, okay, where's your head on that one? I don't know. Guy played pretty good. Played very well in his one shot in Mexico. Not a bad option. So the options are there. The fact that we have so many options is part of the problem. Too many options is, is sometimes a bad thing. But I can't wait to see the selection. I can't just see, uh, I, I want to, you know, me, I'm going to be looking in their eyes during the national anthem. And I would suggest you do the same. Some of you picked up on Gio Reyna and his re re reaction to a, a uh, firecracker that went off in Honduras. But he looked nervous. Now, what you also need to understand about Mexico as players, and I hope that Burhalter has this speech, there's a bit of a poker face going on, regardless of what you're feeling. Just like when that, that moment where Campos reminded me that we'll get you next time, and that smile, and that arrogance, that confidence. You got to do it. If you show weakness, if, if you show for a second, if you act nervous, those guys will sniff it out and they will come after you in every single possible way that they can. Off the ball, pinch you. Little words in the back, right behind you. You don't deserve to be here. You're not that good. I, I can tell you this, the Mexican players, some, some of them don't even speak English, but they figure out that little phrase that they're going to re rehearse in their mind just so they can walk behind you and say it. Because it, it'll get to you. It's gamemanship. You know, I, you know, Guardado was, was to me, it's kind of a new version. Like, a, like, a, like he's like the new Ramon Ramirez mixed in with a little Galindo. He's a leader and he's a good player. Right. So, watch that guy sometimes. I mean, I've, I've, I've watched him over the years. Don't know if this is a particular game to watch him, but the reality is that kind of attitude. When, it, when, you, when, when you understand it, you got to know how to deal with it. The reason why I said this game's complicated, and I've spent about two weeks saying this, es un juego muy complicado, is what you say. Un juego como este. Like, that's, that's you know, when you speak Spanish and you understand Spanish. Yo entiendo mucho, pero hablar es otra cosa. That's the other one that gets me out of a lot of conversations. What I said was I understand a lot, but I don't. To speak is a whole new thing. So we do it too. We learn a couple phrases. I can't say that on this podcast, but we learned a couple phrases too. And yeah, we pinched them too. I was a finger breaker. I didn't want to mess with your career, but I'll break your pinky. You keep grabbing my shirt, right at that second digit, you're gone. Once you, ever, if, if, just go back and look at some of the tape after some of the games I played. There's a couple guys that figured it out, but most of those guys in the game after they played against me, um, that ring finger was certainly double taped to the pinky because that, that, that guy was broken. That's something I did. Am I proud of it? Actually, yeah, I am proud of that. I, I, am, I am proud of that because I didn't, I didn't punch you in the face. I didn't you know, mess with your livelihood and hurt your knee. But every time you brushed your teeth or opened the car door for the next three to four weeks, you were thinking about me. That son of a bitch. Broke my finger. I encourage everybody to do one thing that's going to watch this game because it's going to get tricky. 
And I still believe that the United States loses this game. But that doesn't mean that we lose the war here. This is a battle, and it may not go our way. But when, when we find ourselves tied or right behind Panama on Saturday morning, that we don't lose faith. If the other results go our way, it's going to be a four-horse race. Panama, Canada, U.S., Mexico. Which is still a pathway into the World Cup. But for all of you out there that believe that the United States, what is going on here? We should be with all our resources. We should be in first place. We, should be, we shouldn't be having these many struggles in the CONCACAF qualification process. Anybody that says that, it doesn't irk me. It doesn't, it doesn't get me in a... But it's just, I got to shake it off because it's just ignorance. It's just, it's a naive statement. Because this is a, there are so many things that are out of your control in World Cup qualifying. It's just a battle of how much can you sustain, how much can you get, get through, and can you collectively, as a group, deal with adversity? That's it. All of you guys are asking for beautiful soccer. Shut up. This is qualification. If somebody said to you, all right, your whole life depends on it. There's 100 alligators in this pool. All you need to do is get to the other side. Do you actually care what it looked like to get to the other side? Yeah, you might lose a limb, but guess what? You're still alive. But it doesn't matter. Just get there. And then does that mean you have to cheat? Or you have to throw a piece of meat over there so the alligator looks the other way so you can keep going? Yeah, it, there's a ton of things you got to do. And a lot of it has nothing to do with the sport. It's called World Cup qualification in CONCACAF. That's not the same as Europe or anywhere else in the world. And some of you purists out there are like, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. They Thank God we don't have to go to Quito. Like, like, look, at the, look at the disadvantage that you know, we think Mexico is hard. Try Bolivia on for size. Holy hell. These guys have passed out with nosebleeds in that deal. The challenges that, 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 that we will have as, as, a, as, as a country trying to get through qualification, and this is a big part of it when playing against Mexico, are very complex. Root for your team. Support your team. Be American. Be proud. When somebody challenges your patriotism, smile. And just don't react. Act the way you are hoping our players will act. Don't engage in those conversations. Don't get in a bar and get in a fight with somebody just because they said something. Okay? That's the only message I, I want to send out there. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this one. And yes, I'm going to probably put down a half a bottle of tequila. Because it numbs the pain and it makes it more fun anyway. Probably Casamigos. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my message uh, to Greg Berhalter to wish him luck. I hope he gets it right. And I hope the United States plays with balls. Because that's the way you win this game. You got to, to use their word, have cojones in this one. Either way, uh, that's it for today. Enjoy the game. We'll talk about the uh, aftermath on the, on the next podcast. This is For the Win. I am Eric Winalta saying goodbye to you now, but I, as I always do, encouraging you to be good human beings out there. 
continue to love each other. Don't tolerate each other, but just love each other. Just figure out a way to just take care of each other. That's the way, that's the world I want. Is it, is it a unrealistic wish? Probably. But if it works with two people, I've done my job. That's it for today. Be well. We'll hear you next time.